Father, we thank you for the law of liberty given to us through Jesus Christ, that he is king and ruler over all, and he rules by the Holy Spirit in our lives and through his royal life, royal life, law. Lord, we pray that you would help us as we look at your word this morning, knowing that uh, there may be 100 to 200 opinions of this passage. Help us, Lord, to hold fast to our fathers and brothers in the past that are wiser than us and more gifted. Lord, may we leave worship today glorifying and praising God as we go. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, please be seated, except for those who want to sing a solo. Oh, I see Jeff back there. Oh, he sat down. So we've gotten a lot so far, and we're just in chapter 2. So if you would turn in your Bible to James chapter 2, verses 14, and we'll be reading to 26. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warmed and filled without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, If you have faith and I have works, show me your faith apart from your works. And I will show you my fate by my works. You believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works, and the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness, and he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone, and in the same way was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way. For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. So far, we've looked at James, and we know that James is written to brothers and sisters in dispersion. He says that we need to consider it all joy when you encounter various trials, which produces an enduring faith. God does not withhold wisdom. The double-minded man lacks faith and doubts and is unstable in life. 
God does not cause us to sin. We are to be doers of the word and not hearers only, looking intently at the law of liberty. He also says you are to control your tongue by being quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to be angry, and don't use filthy talk. That's what I said Wednesday night, right? Here it is again. Minister to orphans and widows and keep yourself unstained by the world. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and your neighbor as yourself. And then show no partiality to the rich. So those are the things that we've looked at. I don't know for you, but as I've studied James over the years, he has that proverb-like writing, so to speak. You get one proverb, and then there's another one that seems to be different. So James is hitting us with boom, boom, boom. And I was never a soldier, although I was in law enforcement, but I know that when things are going bad, you get quick, direct orders. And remember, this is written to the 12 tribes who dispersed abroad. So let's let's jump into this. So R.C. Sproul has three to four sermons on this passage. Derek Thomas has about two or three. Sinclair Ferguson, I think he may have five or six. Joe Beakey has a whole book. So, hope you brought your lunch. Just to think about things, and this is October 2nd. We know that we are entering into the month when we will sing, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. We will sing Reformation songs and we get attuned to that with that culminating on the 31st when Dr. Luther posted the uh, 95 Theses on the Wittenberg door. So we have to be thinking about justification by faith. And so here are three views of justification. Justification is an act of God's free grace wherein he pardoned all our sins and accepted us as righteous in his sight. Only for the righteousness of Christ imputed to us and received by faith alone. Short of catechism question number 33. 33. And then there's another view. Justification is by faith in Christ plus meritorious works by the individual in order to be saved eternally. Protestants who hold to this view are considered Arminian. The Roman Catholic view is defined by the Council of Trent, which was held in the 16th century. It also was not changed by Vatican II. R.C. Sproul calls this Council of Trent not what we used to do with Campus Crusade for Christ and say, 
we have good news for you. R.C. Sproul said the Council of Trent is horrible news. So if you want to spend some time this month and look at all the horrible things of it, according to the Council of Trent, everyone in here that believes in justification by faith alone is anathema. So just let you know that's, that's the tone of that. And then antinomian, which means against law. An antinomian view is justification is by faith alone without the necessity of obedience or fruit having to be present. I did this at age 10. My mother was playing the organ at a revival, and when she nodded her head, I knew it was time for me to walk down the aisle and sign, get the preacher to ask me a question and sign that card. Two days later, I'm playing with my, my brother, and I'm like just foul mouth, and he says, well, you know, you're fixing to be baptized soon and join the church and all that. And I said, well, what does that have to do with my mouth? I, there's, they're both separate. Who was right, me or my older brother? So James opens up with a sharp question. When you got people dispersed, why do you say a sharp question to them? I, I think about that. You know, we sometimes us Puritan Calvinists are, are thought about as being harsh people, but James gives us a sharp question. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Can that kind of faith save them? Do you think this upset Martin Luther from what, what we hear mostly? Maybe, maybe not, but... Here's what he said. Can you, can you see that? This, this comes from Joel Beakey's book as he references Martin Luther's Galatians commentary. We are justified not by faith furnished with charity, but by faith only and alone. Works are not taken into consideration when the question respects justification, but true faith will no more fail to produce them than the sun can give light. Meaning, we are justified by faith alone, but not by a faith that is alone. So what are the works James is, James is speaking of? So we know we don't have the New Testament. So what does James have to rely upon? He has to hear what he's heard. I mean, he has to act on what he's heard. Jesus says in John 14, 12, Truly, truly, I say to you, 
whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. What do we know about the promise in John 14? What, what, are, what does Christ promise in John 14? You remember? Yes, there, he will be sending the Holy Spirit to help us and lead us and guide us. And then Matthew seven twenty one. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. So keep in mind, lawlessness and antinomianism are the same thing. And this is really what James is going after. So he gives a first warning of the wrong kind of faith. Here it is. If a brother or sister is without clothing and in need of daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed, and be filled, and yet you do not give them what is necessary for their body, what use is that? Even so, faith, if it has no works, is dead being by itself. Matthew 25, it's a huge discourse about this. Jesus says, Then they themselves also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry and are thirsty, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not take care of you? Then he will answer them, Truly I say to you, to the extent that you did not do it to the one, to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. These will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. So the ESV translates without clothing. I'm trying to be nice Brits or something, but it really means if a brother or sister is naked. I mean, that's, that's, that's the idea here. There's, there's an intense, and probably in the dispersion, there was uh, not a lot of clothing. You, know, you think of Fiddler on the Roof, and when they leave, when the Russians come in or whatever they were, and they all have to get, grab whatever they got and run. This is, this is what Jesus is, has gotten across to his half-brother, James. And then here's the second warning of the wrong kind of faith. James says, you believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. So he's referring to something that Hebrew Christians do 
morning and evening. They recite the Shema, which says, Shema, Israel, Adonai, Eloheinu, Adonai, Echad. I, I don't have enough saliva to do the Echad, but what that means is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Is, is he getting into somebody's face here? To, to me, it seems like this passage has a sharp tone or a good angry tone to wake people up. Where do demons end up eventually? The lake of fire. Do I? Yeah, they, they end up in the lake of fire, and the, but they acknowledge that God is one. Remember when Jesus says, Peter, get behind me, Satan? If, if God is saying something like that to you, James is saying something like that to you, Jesus is saying something like that to you, you better shudder and fall on your face. This, this is, sometimes we go over it and uh, there's, a, there's a song that I'm not going to mention because I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, but it's a little kid song and it's something about the devil if he doesn't like it, blah, blah, blah. Please, just out of deference to me, don't, don't teach your children that song. This is, this is serious stuff dealing with demons. And he's trying to alert them. And you know, at, at this time, during this period of time, we still have that vestige of what Jesus was doing as demons became more and more obvious when he came. I mean, there's, Jesus is doing battle with, with Satan openly here on the earth. And this is still going on with the apostles. So be careful in your, your statements regarding the devil. I'll just say that. And then here's a third warning of the wrong kind of faith. Can you see this with me standing here? I don't know. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless. Actually, the word is barren. Interesting that James would use that word barren around Abraham. It's kind of kind of neat the way he interplays the Old Testament. But was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works. He puts the word complete in there again. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness, and he was called a friend of God. 
you see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. So here, here comes kind of the co- controversy that people refer to. Paul versus James, Romans 4, 9. Is this blessing then only for the circumcised or also for the uncircumcised? For we say that faith was counted to Abraham as righteousness. How then was it counted or reckoned to him? Was it before or after he had been circumcised? It was not after, but before he was circumcised. How many chapters in Genesis do you have to go back to find Abraham uncircumcised? We know, we know the sacrifice of Isaac took place in Genesis 22. Was that before or after he was circumcised? After. Catherine over there, she got it. She got it right. She gets the $1,000 coins for Chuck E. Cheese next time she goes in. Just tell them I sent you. So Romans 4.9 is talking about Abraham's conversion before Isaac was offered up. So what, what, does, that, what does that tell us? The, did, did he have to keep, keep being converted over and over again? No. This, this is an appearance of sanctification in his life. He's, you know, we, we know he had ups and downs. He had problems with lying and stuff. But Abraham was believing God and acting upon the word of God by obedience, by doing acts. But before he was circumcised, before Isaac was born, Abraham, so to speak, in, in Hebrew, I think it says, and, and Abraham stood by the words of Jehovah, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. I'll just let that sink in for a moment. So is there a conflict between James and Paul regarding faith alone? I don't don't believe so. Is there a conflict between Paul and what Jesus says regarding faith in him? No. This This is consistent, and this is consistently after that antinomian viewpoint that you sign a card, you recite the Shema, dare I say, you memorize the shorter catechism when you were young, 
all those things are are good if like John Payne used to say about his conversion he had the furniture in his mind that so when he was sitting in the jail cell and wondering if he was going to be sentenced to whatever you get for manslaughter that God quickened his heart. And I think for, for most of us, even if we grow up as a, a, a covenant child, justification happens. And one day, you are a child of wrath. And in a moment, in a twinkling of the eye, you're a child of God, and there is no wrath upon you. And this is what James is trying to get across to these people, that for their assurance, there needs to be proof in their life of a change. Does that mean when I actually became a Christian, that day I was justified, I could... I could you know, I know some of you can't remember it, but I remember it. Came home from school, senior in high school. I went into the refrigerator, had on a white shirt and what we call dungarees and uh, fake Converse All-Stars, and I grabbed a bologna sandwich, and somehow the quickening ray of Christ made me fall on my knees. and trust him. Remember that day. Some of you don't. You don't have to remember the day, but I do. So how is Rahab like Abraham in justification? Did, did she offer up a child on an altar. She did not. Did she walk with God for many, many years? What we do know from Joshua 2, which is a, a great story of God's grace, is Rahab, who was a prostitute, received two messengers, and James just br briefly says, and sent them out by another way. It says, for as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. In Joshua 2, we have the story of the spies coming. Was Rahab an Israelite? What was she? You remember? She was she was a Canaanite. What are Jews supposed to do with Canaanites? Are they supposed to marry them? Not a not according to the law. And the, what converted her was, and 
if you look at that passage later on, she was stricken and her family was stricken. She begs the spies, look, I'm going to help you with this because I realize that there is only one God and he is Jehovah and he is your God. And I know that bad things are coming to me. Please save my family. And she hides the spies for three days. Whenever you see anything in Scripture, and I'm, I'm not hyper-numerologist or anything like that, when you see three days, a bell should ring loudly in your head. So here's this Canaanite prostitute. Proverbs will tell you what a, what a Canaanite prostitute is like. You don't need to know that. But what we do know is that in Matthew 1.1, it says, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And Salmon, and it goes to verse 5, and Salmon the father of Boaz by Rahab, and Boaz the father of Obed by Ruth, and Obed the father of Jesse, and Jesse the father of David the king. Do we have Gentiles in this genealogy? Yes, we do. We have Rahab, who was a Canaanite, and we have Ruth, who was a Moabitess, right? If you look at that genealogy, which comprises 14 generations, you see this reoccurring theme. The father of David the king, the father of Boaz. But then when we get to Ruth and we get to Rahab, we get by Rahab. What is the scripture trying to tell us? That through Abraham, all nations are blessed and in the line of Jesus Christ is Rahab the prostitute. And we know that she further developed sanctification because the scripture tells us because of immoralities, every man should have his own wife and every woman should have her own husband. And this is, this is a continuing sanctification of Rahab that she is married to Salmon who was an Israelite. And God blessed us through that conversion of both Ruth and Rahab and that's where Jesus came. So this and this is the same way Abraham was converted not so much by the knife over the altar because we know Rahab didn't do that but because she believed that Jehovah was her savior.
So here are some things to ponder as we close. See, you, th you thought I was going to go into the coffee hour, and I didn't. I could. Cling to the law of liberty for your assurance. Notice James talks about the law of liberty. He's got it. He knows it. His half-brother Jesus told him about it. And out of deference to uh, Joel Beakey, I quoted something from the King James because I like, I like ease. John 8, 31 through 32. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Do you think he's getting that across to those in the dispersions? Do you think they know what the law of liberty is? He's hoping they do, and he hopes that they will get their mind off of just reciting the Shema and follow King Jesus in his royal law, which is from Matthew 22, 37 through 38. You shall love your God with all your heart, and with all your soul and with all your mind, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. First John tells us, if we don't love our brethren, are we probably not a Christian? Yes. The, these works show or prove that we are who God says we are. And then I would say, examine your life by the fruit of the Spirit. Paul says, I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against such things there is no law. Let's, let's pray. Father, we thank you for the righteousness that you have given to, given to us when you justified us through your grace for the imputation of Christ's righteousness in us in order that we might do works and worship you and that our wills might be constrained by your Holy Spirit to do your will. Lord, we, we stumble. We don't love you with our whole heart. We don't love our neighbors as ourselves. We forget that the truth sets us free from the bondage of sin and death, and we follow other gods.
Bless us in worship, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.